Hello, everyone. This is episode 718 of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for the week of Friday, November. Holy crap. That is way wrong. November. Why did I just say it again? May 2020, 17th, 1st. What am I I on about? It is the podcast episode 18 of the 700s for the week of Friday, May 1st, 2020. I am your host, Mark Kirchner, I don't know what's going on with me. But I do know that I'll be talking about Dreadnautical, Arcade Spirits, Moons of Madness, SnowRunner, and Starcross on this here episode. I do at least know that, and that's pretty much it. I want to kind of streamline this show and not just ramble on in the beginning or talk about news that I don't really care about, but I just put out there because I'm like, oh, people want to hear about this, The Last of Us Part Two. It was delayed indefinitely, then it got a release date after it was leaked, and that's sad, and yeah, I I guess it's all bad and good in different ways, and I don't really care because I don't really care about The Last of Us. There's a Series X event happening inside Xbox, May 7th, I think. That should be okay, but given Inside Xbox's track record, I'm not too excited about it and it's not going to be the big event where we get more details about series x and ideally not ideally but hopefully the release date and the price and all that jazz so i'm more concerned not concerned but curious about that particular event because that'll be the day the moment when pre-orders go live and i want to pre-order me a series x anyway on to what i've been playing but before all that As I say, I want to streamline this and not ramble on. I do want to just remind people at the top of the show that I did recently start a new anime podcast called Animazingly Baka. We've got two episodes out so far. We have episode one, which is about... What was it about? What did we talk about? The second episode is Mob Psycho 100. And then the... Yes, the first episode was Snafu. My teen romantic comedy Snafu, seasons one and two because we were excited about season three, which of course was delayed to the following season. Uh, Hopefully, who knows, maybe it'll be delayed even more. But um, we talked about that in the first episode, Mob Psycho 100 in the second episode, and then the third episode, which will be going up on Monday, on a Monday, we will be talking about plastic memories. Why can't I remember what we're talking about? But if you like anime in any way, shape, or form, or maybe you're just curious about it, or you're a casual fan, I think it's a pretty good show that is worth checking out, and I would really appreciate it if you did check it out. Maybe you don't even like anime, but you just enjoy hearing me and my buddy talk about it. That could be the case, especially the last episode. If you want to hear me and my buddy argue about Mob Cycle 100, in particular one specific episode, and by argue, I mean, do you want to hear me yell at my friend and call him an idiot for his opinion, go right ahead. But I I think it was a stupid opinion. Nah, that's not true. It just was a very, it was a heated discussion about a very stupid thing. We were both being stupid and that's what it is. But I think it shows you how good our friendship is that we can get into such a heated argument. I don't even want to call it an argument, just like, we can get into heated back and forth and still come out on the other side loving each other like 
good bros do. And I don't use the bro word with any other person because I think it's a stupid word, but he used it. And I was like, fine, I accept it because you're a cool dude. If you want to use this, that's fine. Anyway, on to what I've been playing. So Dreadnautical is a rogue type of game where you are on this giant cruise ship. It's a giant ship. And you're stuck at at sea, presumably. And this is from Zen Studios, the same studio who did... Who, who does the Pinball FX series, but also did, what is the name of it? Operencia, I think it was called. That first-person dungeon crawler. And they've, they've also dabbled in other games outside of the pinball genre in the past. Like, I think it was called Kickbeat and Castle Storm. And, ooh, that might be it. I'm not sure, but I really like seeing them try out different genres and and dipping their toes in things other than just pinball tables even though i enjoy their pinball games i I do prefer the pinball arcade at this point but i like seeing them try new things because it's nice to see a studio not just do the same thing over and over again and also they're not that bad at it and i think dreadnautical is their best game outside of pinball to date i did really like castle storm but it's been forever since I've played that. But I really, really like Dreadnautical, despite a few little issues with it. Uh, the the most pressing issue being that the force acting is terrible. But the, the setup of the game is that you are on the ship, you wake up, and you don't know what the hell's going on. And there are Lovecrafting type of things going on, and tentacle monsters and stuff like that. And you are exploring this ship, finding other survivors along the way, having to worry about resource uh, gathering and food so that you can feed your people. And you're just exploring this ship, trying to figure out what is going on. The deeper you get, the tougher enemies you'll find. You'll run into other survivors who, when you grow a relationship with them, a good rapport with them, you'll be able to convince them to come back to your home base, which is in the lobby, uh, only if you have the space for them, you can upgrade your lobby as well to give you uh, more room to get more survivors, uh, a tool table, <laughs> a tool table, Tim, the tool time table, no, but a, a, a workshop so that you can upgrade and fix your equipment and a space where you can then upgrade your survivors as well. And the basic gameplay is very tactics-esque or, or like traditional rogue turn-based games where you are exploring these spaces room by room and when you enter a new room you'll see what's in it whether that be enemies or items of importance things you can loot etc and when you get within range of an enemy you will go into the battle mode And this becomes a turn-based affair where you move, you have so many action points, and then the enemy moves, unless they haven't seen you yet, in which you can hopefully get behind them and land a surprise attack, which will do extra damage. But when you're in the battle mode, it works like a very traditional tactics game. You move, you have your action points, and you have your weapons. You can attack with your fists, which you have unlimited 
attacks with, or you'll have melee weapons and ranged weapons. And all of these weapons have a limited number of uses. Uh, and you can get more uses by repairing them when you finish a run. And I, I really, really like it. It's got a, a very cartoony, but distinct and nice look to it. Uh, I know some people don't really like it, but I, I really like the look of it. It's got a kind of blocky aesthetic, but not just, it's not super blocky. It's not like Minecraft that blocky, but it's not super defined or smooth. And, and I think it looks really good. It, it did come out on Apple Arcade. I don't know if it came out on Apple Arcade earlier and just recently hit consoles. I'm playing on Xbox One. But what you're doing is you're just going through these different floors of the ship and you're exploring every room. You don't need to explore every room if you complete the goal you're there to do. But the way you complete an area, a, a room, a floor, not, not a room, but a floor, is by reaching the end of it and hitting the bell or whatever it is on the ship, the, the, the horn, and that makes you fall asleep, collapse, and then you wake up back at the lobby and then it's a new day and you have to worry about food for your survivors so that they don't go hungry. Uh, so early on, it's easy to manage that when you don't have too many survivors to have enough food for them. But I really like it because I like the look of it. The The voice acting I said is garbage. It is really, really, really bad. The story is somewhat interesting, though, and just exploring this ship and, and discovering what's going on. There are all these cryptic bits of text going on and as you find tomes in the world you are able to understand them more and you, and you learn more about the world which is cool as well but like I said there are a few issues I have with it the, the main being that when in combat you can't attack an enemy with and this is specifically for ranged weapons you can't attack an enemy with a ranged weapon unless you are directly in their line of sight or if, if you are in a straight path from them so you can't shoot them from an angle even if you're within range even if you are literally standing next to them but at a, an angle not directly in front of them or behind them or at one of their sides if you're at one of the four angles whether that be with a melee weapon or range weapon you can't attack them until you get in front of them behind them on one of their sides etc and I I don't understand that, I, and that probably is how other similar games work. I'm sure that's maybe the case in XCOM with melee weapons in particular, but I, I'm almost positive that in a lot of these games with ranged weapons, you can shoot enemies from an angle. And the fact that you can't do that is super annoying because then you have to waste an action point to get directly in front of them or whatever position you need to do in order to get a direct line of sight with them that is straight, straight as an arrow. And I find that incredibly frustrating. It's, it's weird. I don't understand the reasoning behind it, but uh, I don't. maybe it's just easier to program for that as opposed to having it be all these different angles that they have to concern themselves about. And... Unlike other tactics games, attacks aren't a percentage base. So you will attack. If you are able to attack, you will hit them. 
you may land a critical doing more damage, and the damage may vary regardless of whether you're doing a critical. Potentially, it seemed like maybe I would do a little bit more damage or a little less just randomly, but you will always land an attack if you are capable of attacking, which is nice. And yeah, I just, I really like it. I put maybe uh, two hours into it so far, and I've been really enjoying it. I made my way through five, six, or seven or so of the floors. And it definitely starts to ramp up once it gets you outside of the main tutorial, which lasts about two or three floors. It then starts throwing a lot of new zombies, basically. And, and zombies and Lovecraftian monsters at you. And it does go... It, from 0 to 60 to some extent, difficulty-wise, but it's it's still pretty manageable. I'm sure as I keep diving deeper into the ship, it's going to get much more challenging, but I'm enjoying it. I do enjoy the characters to a point, but the, the voice acting really does make it hard to care about the characters and what's going on because they all sound so terrible. But I really like the game, and it's... Something I could see myself returning to for multiple playthroughs, depending on how different it is. I'm sure the spaces are... I'm I'm guessing that the spaces are somewhat procedurally generated, but it, it seems like all the characters, all the survivors will are, are defined characters and not just random ones. So I'm not sure how it will differ upon multiple playthroughs outside of being able to play on different difficulties and all that. But uh, yeah, that's Dreadnautical, and I really like it. Then um, there's Arcade Spirits, which is a... <sighs> what is it called? A love book? No, what are they called? Visual novels. I'm like, what the hell is that thing called? It is a visual novel set in 20XX, where you play as a person. You create your own person, and I do appreciate that you can choose to use they pronouns. I always appreciate when a game that has character creation allows you to use non-binary pronouns because as someone who identifies as non-binary, it's nice to be able to feel a little bit more like myself when playing one of these games where I am supposed to be acting like myself. And you are someone who keeps losing jobs. You go from job to job and your roommate is like, hey, you should really try this app because... It's like a miracle app. It will find the perfect job for you and blah, 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 blah. And you end up working at this arcade and you interact with a bunch of people and all that jazz. And it's okay. I like the art and I like some of the characters. My problem with it, and this is something that will differ from person to person, is that the writing can be a little bit too on the nose and too referential in ways that I don't like. like it, it could, it's trying to be too cutesy and funny in ways that aren't working for me that remind me of Ready Player One, but worse. And that's too bad. For some people, they'll love it. They'll love the things they talk about. Like they reference E.T. and they go on for like, I don't know, a few bits of dialogue about, oh, yeah, there was this one game that was based on this movie license about an alien and phoning home, and 
it ended up being this really like we were worried about there being a crash in the video game industry, but then this game came out and it ended up being really good because they took the time to really work it out and make it great. And I don't know what would have happened if maybe they did this, this, and it ended up being this horrible thing. Oh, I can't imagine what the industry, like it goes down these referential holes that fall (laughs) way deeper than I was expecting where they just keep going with it. I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. E.T., Atari, hilarious. Can we move on? And some of the the basic writing in general just doesn't always click for me. But as far as visual novels goes, it does work for me a little bit more than others because I I feel like I have more choices and I, I see my choices having an effect on the way things play out right off the bat, more so than in a lot of visual novels I've messed with. There's definitely a lot of reading, but I do feel like I have more agency and choice, and I feel like I'm more a part of the story than just reading it, which I do like. And I will probably... I I think I may actually finish this one, which is surprising for me, because if the visual novel isn't like a half hour long, a.k.a. a rattle like a game, I usually fall off them very quickly and yes i like i said i'm not overly fond of the writing i think there's enough there in terms of character and choice that will be able to draw me through the entire experience because i think it's only about a five hour game and i put an hour hour and a half into it so far but i i'm it's weird to say I'm pleasantly surprised when I'm not overly fond of the writing, the writing, but I am surprised that I am not being put off immediately like with so many visual novels. I, I, I always want to find a visual novel that clicks with me, but so often they just don't work for me. And I, I've never found one that I just absolutely love because the, the writing is the, the most important thing of a visual novel and to this date, I've never come across one where I'm like, oh my god, this is such an interesting thing. Like, a visual novel is something that I would love to write for, and I'm sure if I did, people would have many issues with my writing, because I have a very weird sense of humor, but I, I would like to do that, and I know there's, oh, I forget what it's called, but there is that it's not Trine. Trine is a game series that there have been four of. Oh my God. But it was something along those lines, I think, that is strictly text based. And I think you can add visuals to it with coding experience or stuff like that. But I would like to create a game like this because I do have a degree in writing. And I love the concept. The concept. I love the concept. Of visual novels and uh, choose your own adventure type experiences, which is what I want out of visual novels. So when I play one that isn't like that and is just a bunch of reading with the very, very occasional, seemingly meaningless choice, I'm not too happy. But Arcade Spirits is not that. I, I definitely feel like all of my choices, even the ones that seem not that important, are having some effect in some way. And I... I Really like that about this. So I think, I think I'm think i actually going to play Arcade Spirits. Maybe not now. Maybe I'll hold off until I'm in the, the mood for it. 
And by mood for it, I mean when I feel like doing one for Attack the Backlog. Because I did have a full boyfriend, but I haven't done one since because, you know, I'm not that versed in the visual novel genre and I don't know which ones to play. And had a full boyfriend didn't work for me. But this one is working for me more than any visual novel to this date. Still has issues for me, but as far as visual novels and me go, this one definitely clicks way more. Then there's Moons of Madness, which is a first-person adventure horror game that is also very Lovecraftian, but it's set on Mars. It's set in space as opposed to, you know earth and all that i think the majority of the stories are set in new england or or one of those eastern cities states (laughs) the the city of new england um and i kind of like it but i have one big issue that i'll get to shortly doesn't look too bad it opens with a nightmare sequence that has a few jump scares that (laughs) they got me I know a lot of people who play will probably be like, they, those got you? Those are so easy, simple, whatever jump scares. But you know what? I'm a baby. I've gone over this. And jump scares will get me. They will get me every time. Unless I've played something and know exactly where they're coming or when they're coming. But they they got me. And I was like, oh, God. Why, why are they throwing me in the deep end right now with all these jump scares? Can I just like ease into the horror aspect of this? But of course, you learn that it's a dream sequence or a nightmare sequence. And you wake up and still you're there by yourself. You have a voice in your head from one of your buddies. But where everyone else is on this space station, I don't know. It seems weird that you don't run into anyone else. But whatever, that's that's just the way it is. And the way it works is that the, the dude who's talking to you will be like, Hey, the power's out over here. Can you go fix that? And you're like, yeah, bro. I can go fix it. And then he fixed it. And then he's like, hey, bro, the solar panels over on the other side of the planet, not literally on the other side of the planet, but like, you know, a block over there, they be they be down. What, what the deal, bro? And you're like, yo, let me fix that. And then you go and you're like, hey, bro, I fixed that. <laughs> and you're just doing a lot of these kind of puzzles where you, because you have this little doodad on your wrist that allows you to interact with electronics and then you interact with them and then you can manipulate them in one way so like with this solar panel puzzle you interact with the the terminal or whatever that controls them and then you are rotating them to get them in position so they will get the most power from the sun and in addition to this you have to find these power cells to repower some of them it's all very Simple stuff, but that's pretty much the crux of the gameplay. You go around, you find little bits of information via papers, and you read them. You can find terminals that will give you some more information. You use terminals to unlock doors. You went outside, you have to worry about your oxygen meter, and you'll get jump scares here and there. I haven't got to the point where anything is chasing me, but I know that is coming, which I'm not overly fond of. But, yeah, the, the writing isn't great. I know I'm talking about the writing in a lot of these games. But 
the writing and some of the things these characters are saying. The, the voice acting is not terrible or anything, but the things they're saying at times, I'm just like, what the what the fuck are you talking about? What 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 is this? Just just shut up and tell me what I need to do. But there there is one character who has really weird a really weird voice. I first thought it was the the main guy who's on the other end just like making fun of me or something and then doing a weird voice but i guess it was another character and he's like i don't i can't even remember how his voice goes i think people like hey bro i like made this thing and i think it'll do a lot to help with us keeping our sanity and stuff like that so i think it'll be really good for us if we use it okay uh, i'm gonna go out now and i'm like what what the fuck when he stopped talking i was like what the fuck was that 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 wasn't the the one guy. That he wasn't like just making a funny voice and talking to me. That was a, that was another person. I I I don't even remember what he was talking about because I couldn't get over his stupid voice. But my real issue with the game and why I probably won't return to it is because I did all the solar panel stuff. And I got to this other like little substation and did some stuff in there. And there's like a little jump scare in there and got out, did everything, went back to my rover to head back to the main station. And I save and quit, a, uh, save and quit. I, well, I didn't save quote unquote save and quit the game. I just quit to the main menu because the game utilizes an autosave feature. And I figured it's probably autosaving a lot. Because I'm seeing the on-screen indicator. I'm seeing two different on-screen indicators. There's one that is... I don't know what that's for. Because it's it's clearly not for autosaving. And then there's another one that I guess is the autosave one. And they're on two, diff- uh, two different positions of the screen, I think. I think one's in like the top left-hand corner. And one's in the bottom right-hand corner, I think. But when I quit out and returned to the game a little bit later... I was in my rover and I'm like, okay, I'm going to head back to the station because I, you know, I completed all the stuff I had to do here. And when I tried to leave, I said, what are you doing? You need to go fix all the solar panels. And I'm like, oh, did I, did I miss one? I got three of them or four of them. I think I'm like, was there there one I missed? Okay. Let me go back out. And then I hit when walking up on uh, the the pathway to where the solar panels are, I heard some very familiar dialogue. And I realized that all that progress I made, which is probably somewhere between 10 to 50 minutes of playtime, was gone. And losing that much progress is beyond frustrating. The thing that is more valuable than anything when it comes to gaming is time. And when a game wastes my time, that really pisses me off. And I can't I can't say whether or not this is just an isolated issue, uh, issue uh, an isolated situation, whether the game autosaves very infrequently and how often this may happen in the future. I don't want to really test it because it's already pissed me off. And if I if this happened to me again, I would just I would really lose my mind. And the game isn't engaging enough in any of its aspects whether it be the story the gameplay the visuals even that i want to keep playing despite this and that 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 is frustrating because i think this game 
could be up the alleys of some folk, but for me, losing that much progress was really upsetting and annoying because it, it like I I I, I want to keep exploring a bit more at least to the point where it may get too scary for me because that, that could also be a case with the game but if this is an issue that is persistent throughout the entire experience then it's just it's it's going to be a problem but then the other games i played i was going to say the last one and then i'm like wait no there are two more left i played some snow runner which is the follow-up to mud runner which is a a very weird driving game that when I look at it, both SnowRunner and Mudrunner, I'm just like, who are these games for? It has to be an incredibly niche audience because it's not about racing. And I, I mean, I guess it's it, it's for the same people who like Truck Simulator and those type of games. But the first game, Mudrunner, which I think was like a remaster or like a bringing back of the series spin tires, I think it was called and just a rebranding of it. And, and that one really didn't click with me. And I am not familiar enough with that to know what was changed between mud runner and snow runner, but I am enjoying my time with snow runner way more than mud runner. I'm not in love with it by any means. I, I still am not, clicking with it like I think some people do it, it just isn't my type of game but I think it has made the user experience a bit more user friendly and made things a bit easier to deal with there's an auto load like so what the whole crux of the snow runner mud runner games is is that you are driving these pretty much always I think all-terrain vehicles to some extent they're, they're trucks of some sorts not all of them are all-wheel drive some of them are like real big pickup trucks that don't have all-wheel drive but there are all these trucks and you are driving through these different bits of terrain whether they're really muddy and wet or rocky uh, and so on and you are delivering loads of what you're you're delivering various bits of resources what have you to locations and you have to find the best way to get there and the safest way to get there without damaging your vehicle too much and and finding a terrain that you can actually manage to to make your way through and one of the key functions you have with your vehicles is your your wench which you use to get yourself out of sticky situations literally whether you're like if you're stuck in the mud you attach your winch to a tree and then you're able to pull yourself out and keep progressing and it's it's really just all about that you're, you're driving through these various terrains there's a snowy one a more traditional like muddy area and yeah it i like it's still not my kind of driving game, but it's definitely clicked with me more than Mudrunners because I don't remember even completing a single objective in Mudrunners before I just quit and said, yeah, I'm good. But I completed multiple objectives in SnowRunners so far. I've gotten to the second area, which is Alaska, and I'm 
enjoying it as much as I think I can. Uh, it's very pretty. I, I really like looking at it. all these games I've played on Xbox One, uh, and of course the X because that's my the console I have, and it, it's very pretty. The first area you're in has these beautiful spaces with a lot of trees. It's in the fall, and you see the trees with all the different colored leaves, and it just looks so pretty. I'm like, oh, God, I, I just want to be in here. Can I just hang out in here? And part of me, when I'm driving around the space, I'm like, I wish State of Decay 2 looked like this. And I haven't played State of Decay 2. I know it got like somewhat of a visual upgrade, but I don't remember it looking all that impressive when I played it. I'm like, man... I wish Day of Decay 2 looked this pretty because that would be real nice. It's a really nice looking game and it definitely feels like they've added some stuff to make it a bit more user friendly. I don't remember having auto, what is it called? Um, I think you could only manual shift in Mud Runners, but now you have automatic transmission, which is nice. I appreciate that. You you can still use manual if you if you want, and when loading cargo onto your your truck, you can just do an auto load instead of using the crane to do it, which makes things a lot easier. Which I appreciate. There there are a handful of things that seem to have been added if they weren't already there, and maybe or maybe they're just much easier to find and utilize. There are these things that just seem to make it a little bit easier to deal with for some of these the, the aspects of the game that people might not want to deal with that they might find a little bit more tedious. Because like the driving is still way different than any other driving game. Because and it may be realistic. I don't I don't drive, but like it is so easy to just keep going from left to right. Like sometimes driving in a straight line for me is just a fucking nightmare. But if if you liked the first game, Mud Runners, I think it's an easy sell for you. If you if you're curious about it, you know, look into it. But it's it's a hard game to to just recommend to someone who's like, I like driving games, and I like simulation games. Will I like this? I have literally no idea. Cause it it's for a specific type of person, and if that person is you impossible for me to say but um it definitely is an improvement over the the last game from what i can remember from the little time i put in mud runners i've definitely enjoyed my time with snow runners much more and i've put significantly more time into it playing it for a few hours which su- is surprising when i probably quit after a half hour in, in mud runners then the last game i played is starcross which is very much of a cooperative focus game. You can play it by yourself, but it's definitely more geared towards cooperative play because it's this weird shmup type of experience where you're just on the you're just playing on a single screen. You're not moving. There's no horizontal or vertical screen movement, and the way it works is that enemies will spawn on screen and you are controlling these two different characters. You can pick between five and they all have different abilities and you are bouncing a projectile back and forth between you. And when you're moving the characters, the, the projectile will curve with you 
and you need to get your characters in uh you need to get enemies in between your characters pathway so that the projectile will hit them as it's going back and forth so it's sort of like pong in that sense but the 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 ball the projectile will always go to the other player you don't have to worry about hitting it's not like you can miss it and then it's gone and then you're just like okay well we're fucked it'll always go back and forth between you like it's on a a string between you two and when you're playing by yourself the left analog stick controls one of the characters and the right analog stick plays uh, controls one of the other characters and for this not to get confusing i highly recommend always keeping the left character or the you keep the the left analog stick character on the left side of the screen and the right analog stick character on the right side of the screen otherwise when you start mixing things up and you get like too close to the middle and then you end up switching them and then it it just becomes a bit of a nightmare so i i found that that's one of the most important things to do when playing it by yourself but yeah like if you're playing cooperatively it's a much easier and less stressful experience but the actual game itself wasn't doing all that much for me i didn't i don't particularly like the way it looks it it looks and i i don't know if this is it 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 reminds me more so of like xbox live arcade games from 10 years ago like it looks like it's belongs with them like this is a backward compatible game and maybe i'm remembering it wrong right now but that that is how i'm feeling from what i remember playing it that it just it didn't really wow me in any way visually and the the gameplay is fine it's interesting uh these types of games that have single player modes that make you control two different on-screen characters or things at the same time really like give your your brain a workout uh, i think maybe ibn abel was one of them but the one that comes to mind always for me that i the first one i remember playing was an xbox live arcade game called schizoid and i i really like that one that one was where you were controlling i believe a blue and orange type orb thing and you had to use them to hit enemies or whatever of the the same color or something like that and i really enjoy that but it got they did get to a point where it's like this is this is too much for me to handle i can't take it anymore but um the little bit I played of Starcross, it it does get more challenging, but it it so far seems somewhat manageable with the the enemies that pop up on screen. But the enemies I've dealt with, I don't know, five, six, seven different types. None of them at this point have been all that interesting. So I don't really find much enjoyment, much pleasure out of dispatching the enemies or, or dealing with them or even just seeing them i'm not like oh this enemy is really cool i'm just like okay this is the this is the one that just bounces around and doesn't shoot projectiles at me okay here's this bird that just flies directly at me uh, all right these are the ones that do shoot projectiles but they shoot them at a very slow pace and they're incredibly easy to dodge so they don't pose much of a problem and okay here was this boss fight it wasn't all that exciting it, it's it's okay i guess it just it, it didn't really do much for me 
there is a story with it as well, which I noped out of almost immediately. I'm just like, I don't care about any of this. They're talking a whole bunch. And I'm like, oh, whatever. Don't care. None of this is interesting. And yeah, a bit disappointing there. A bit disappointing game to end on. But um, that's pretty much it in terms of what I've been playing. So that will do it for this year episode of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast. Once again, I am your host, Mark Krishnes. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. The site is, of course, pixelatedsausage.com, where you can find this podcast, Attack the Backlog, and Unamazingly Baka, which are all available on podcast surfaces across the globe. So wherever you want to listen to it, you should be able to find it. Uh, you can also check out some videos and, and whatnot over at youtube.com slash sausage. If you'd like to check out the art I make, because I make some art that is funky and weird and colorful, you can go over to pxsart.com and check it out there. If you see something you like, click the link and it'll take you to where you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do, please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us that way. As always, thank you for listening. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this year episode, and I hope, again, you're staying safe, staying healthy, and, yeah, just stay safe, stay healthy, blah, 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 blah. Again, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoy the show, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day, and an absolutely wonderful, lovely weekend. Bye.